Good morning, church. It is so good to see so many of you here. And for those who are watching online, a very good morning to all of you as well. And uh, thank you for tuning in this morning. Um, we are, like what Pastor Dinesh, um, Pastor Daniel has announced, we are on the run-up to the um, Resurrection Sunday in just two weeks' time, yeah? So what we want to do today is we want to just consider the tract of the Lord Jesus, His earthly mission and His earthly path, right? Okay. The Lord Jesus came to earth for a very, very specific mission and purpose. I want to just ask ourselves these questions. I want to ask myself and I want to ask us this question. Do we have a mission in our life? Or are you in the midst of, you know, of that journey? And what is your life's mission? I'm sure all of us long for a purpose and meaning in our lives. Nobody would say, I want a very meaningless life. I want a fruitless life. I don't think there is anybody's, you know, um, longing to say that, even as a child, even as a student, to say that I do not want any meaning in my life. I want to just float through this life. I want to just, you know, yeah, I want to just float through. Okay? God sent Jesus for a specific reason for what I said, like, like what I said in John 8, 42. When the right time came, God sent His Son to buy freedom for us. I love this word, buy freedom. Galatians 4. The entire focus of the life and ministry of Jesus was to set us free and to connect us forever with His Father. He came to do God's will. John, John 5, 18. He, was, he, he, he is going to come to be a light in a very, very dark world. And at the end of it, to be the final sacrifice to reconcile us to God. 2 Corinthians 5.21 When we look back, when, when we want to trace the track that the Lord Jesus walked on His earthly path, we also want to see what was said about him in the Old Testament. The Old Testament prophets went to great lengths to describe the Lord, the Messiah's life. Not just his life, his ministry, death, and eventually his victorious resurrection from the dead. The Lord Jesus fulfilled all this in such accurate detail. Such accurate detail. Let's look at the prophesied tract, okay? The Lord's birth, ancestry, and early years were all prophesied as early as in Genesis 3.15, the very, very first book of the Bible, that a saviour would be born of a woman and he would defeat Satan to redeem the world and to reverse the curse of sin. He would be born of a virgin, very specific, in Bethlehem. He would be a descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The Messiah would be called Emmanuel. Would be called Emmanuel. What a wonderful name, yeah? God with us. Not a distant God, but a God who lives within us. 
and he would spend his early years in Egypt, but would later settle in Nazareth. In the fulfilment of Scripture, Jesus was to be that great light that would come, who would come to dispel the darkness that is in the world. What a wonderful Saviour. The people living in darkness have seen a great light, and on those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Matthew 4.16 This verse fulfilled Isaiah's prophecy. Isaiah 9.1-2 Jesus and His salvation would be light too for not just the Jews, but for the Gentiles as well. The Messiah would be heir to King David's throne and He would reign forever, for eternity. In 2 Samuel, this was mentioned. And again, as we trace the tract of Jesus' birth and His early years, we see that all these prophecies were already fulfilled. Jesus Himself revealed that He was to be that promised Messiah. I am He. He said that I am He in John 4, 25 and 26. Now we're going to go, we're going to move on from Jesus' birth, early years, and we're going to move into His ministry right now. Jesus, the Lord's anointed one, would come and save His people. Okay, I'm just going to keep reiterating this because this is the Lord's mission. This Jesus came to fulfill the great promise of salvation. Even as a young lad of 12, Jesus knew, Jesus knew why He was here for. He told His parents, I would be about, I would have to be about my father's business. Yeah, in Luke 2, 49. It was so clear to the Lord that this is His mission on earth, why He was sent for. This is the first indication of His knowledge of His own divinity. When Jesus began His ministry on earth, standing up in the synagogue in Nazareth, He read the Scriptures. This was, I believe, His first sermon. He outlined His mandate in Luke 4, 18 and 19. Jesus was to come to preach the good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom to the prisoners, and recovery of sight to the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. This was the Lord's mandate. Okay? And listen to his mission statement in Luke 19, 10. He came to seek and save that was lost. I think as Life Zone, we have been, you know, we have been contemplating for the last three weeks on our own church's uh, mission, uh, vision statement. And we will be doing for the month of April our mission statement. Yeah, this was the Lord's mission statement to come and seek and save that was lost. When the Lord was on earth, he wasn't like any ordinary preacher. He would always seek out 
those who are marginalised, those who are rejected, the outcasts of society. You know, he looked out for people who were much despised, like Zacchaeus, Matthew, the tax collectors. All right, he reached out to the Samaritan woman who was much shamed and ostracized, and nobody wanted to just associate themselves with this kind of you know people. Not just the outcast. The Lord knew the emptiness of the religious people. They had religion, but they did not know God. They did not have God. They did not have life. They only had religion. He reached out to Nicodemus. Jesus broke all cultural, gender, and religious barriers. And he was always very radical. His teachings, his preaching was always very radical. You know, Jesus focused on their lostness, not their status. He focused on their future, not their past. Jesus focused on their potential, never their failure. Never their failure. Because if he did, we would not be standing here today. If Jesus looked at our status, if he looked at our past, we would not be here today. None of us are qualified to be in that category. Yeah? It was during his discourse with Nicodemus that Jesus encapsulates the heart of God, the love story of God. In this much-known verse, I think this is the most famous, you know, verse that even perhaps a pre-believer can even quote. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And this eternal life does not begin when you leave this earth. It begins the moment you say, Lord, I surrender my life to you. It begins the moment, the minute, the second you say, yes, Lord, I am that lost one. I am that needy one. I can't help myself. All I need is to just come to you, surrender and abandon Everywhere that Jesus went, he healed the sick, the blind, the deaf, the lepers. You know, no one would ever go near a leper. Who wouldn't go near a leper? But Jesus would. He not only took interest in people's physical sickness, more importantly, he sought out for those who were emotionally wounded, broken. Those who were brokenhearted. He is that Jehovah Shalom who can come and offer you the peace that no one else can, that nothing can, that money cannot buy. He is that Jehovah Shalom. And for the weary, the heavy laden, Jesus would give you rest. The Jews were waiting for a Messiah who would free them from the Roman oppression. But Jesus, the Messiah, came to free them 
from sin's oppression, which was much, much more serious, much, much more important, you know, than a physical oppression. Jesus is the only one who can do that. I want to ask you, church, friends who are watching today, are you oppressed? Are you oppressed by fear? Are you oppressed by worry for the future? We are in this pandemic right now. Do we ask ourselves every day, what's going to happen next month, next year, in three years' time? What's going to happen to my children? What's going to happen to me, my aged parents? Are we oppressed by fear, by worry? Are you oppressed by sin? Are you oppressed by the people? Perhaps, perhaps your colleagues, I do not know what you're going through right now, or hurts, pain. Jesus also came as deliverer. Many things hold us captive today. All right? Many things hold us captive today. We can, be, we can be captive to sin and vice. We can be captive to addictions and habits. We can be addicted to materialism and wealth. We can even be captive to the evil one unknowingly. Unknowingly. And generational curses hold us bondage. Yeah, and then we say, why can't, why can't I get breakthrough in this area, in my work, in my relationship, in my family, in my marriage? I seem to be praying, praying, praying. I'm even, I'm, I'm even fasting. But there is no breakthrough. Why is it so? Why is it so? What are the things that are holding us captive today? What are the things? Just take a couple of minutes and ask yourself, what am I being held captive to? Just take a couple of minutes and think about that. Yeah? I have the good news for you. Jesus is the only one who can set me and set you free. Alright? To all bondages. And he, not, he, he doesn't just want to set us free he wants us to have the abundant life. He, told, he, he mentioned it in John 10.10. 10, I come so that you will have the abundant life. Not just eternal life, but the abundant life right now. Abundant life in your relationships, in your workplaces, in your families. So if you're facing friends, family... If you are facing any of this today, it is my plea to you. Just come to the Lord Jesus. You need to come to Him. You do not need to live under these bondages. You do not need to live under this kind of oppression. These oppressions and these bondages are not meant for you. Yeah? Please just come to the Lord. Just surrender this and tell the Lord, I need you. I'm going to surrender this to you because I want the eternal, I, I want the abundant life that only you can give me. Okay, 
I'll just like to take us through, I would call it a sprint, through the Lord's three years of, um, of ministry. His ministry on earth was very short. It was just three years. And I have, I have titled this portion of my sharing, The Purposed Tract. Purposed, purposeful, meaningful, productive. All right? Jesus' ministry began with his baptism by John the Baptist at the age of about 30 years old. And after this, the Lord was led into the temptation in the wilderness. It was during this first year of his ministry as well, where he recruited men, 12 men to be his first disciples. It was in this first year where the Lord performed his very first miracle, turning water into wine at a marriage in Cana. Jesus' teaching was always radical, and it was very, very counterculture. In his early Judean ministry, he cleansed the temple for the first time. This was not just once, he, he did it a few times, and encountered Nicodemus, met the Samaritan woman en route to his return in Galilee. Here, his healing ministry began, and thousands were blessed, and thousands heard his teachings. During his second year of ministry, Jesus began his Galilean ministry as well of preaching. In the town of Galilee, Jesus faced rejection. And it was also during this period um, of his calling of his disciples to go full-time, to follow him full-time. This was when the, the timeless Sermon of the Mount was preached and the 12 disciples were sent out for their first ministry mission. Now we're going to move into, yeah, as I take you now, we would be going to the third year and the last year of the Lord's earthly ministry. We see the feeding of the 5,000. What a miracle. And we see, this was a miracle, but we also see during this period, His disciples turning away from Him. His disciples witnessed his transfiguration, and this is already um, at the end of his ministry, where um, yeah, this this was um, the almost the end of his Galilean ministry. His ministry um, extended to to Judea as well. Yeah, now at the home of his very very good friend Mary and Martha, Jesus raised their brother who was dead. Lazarus, okay, and when the Jewish leaders saw this, they were not too happy, and they plotted to have Jesus killed, so that they could secure their own position, as they felt very, very threatened, very antagonized. Because of the threats to his life, Jesus withdrew to the uh, to Ephraim, to the north, this is to the north of Jerusalem, before his final journey to Jerusalem. As we come to the end, Jesus' final ministry in Jerusalem began with his triumphal entry. And this would lead to his betrayal, his arrest, his trial, and finally crucifixion and his death. Okay, so now we have come, you, uh, we have tracked through 
his um, early years, his birth, early years, ministry. The track that the Lord Jesus took was a very, very difficult path, was a very difficult track. Jesus was born in poverty. He was often opposed, even by his own family members, you know, at the beginning. They didn't believe him. In fact, the whole, his whole life was characterized by difficulty and opposition. The opposition started almost immediately after his birth from Herod, from Pilate, from the religious leaders and from the people of his day. Everywhere he went, there was more opposition than acceptance. Jesus was resolute and faithful to his earthly mission. He never allowed all these challenges, all these um, difficulties to, de to, to derail him, to cloud his, you know, his, his vision of the mission that God has had, has, has had for him. We would focus more on the physical difficulties normally. We would focus more on Jesus' difficult, you know, on his uh, physical, you know, uh, when we, later part, when we look at the crucifixion, the road, you know, to, to, to the cross, the journey to the cross, we would um, focus more of the pain of the, yeah. But I think that the emotional part is the more difficult part, is the more difficult part. The humiliation, the rejection, the restraint and submission to his Father's will that Jesus had to maintain, that Jesus had to maintain so that you and I can enjoy this eternal life. His tract was very, very difficult, but Jesus didn't quit. Jesus didn't quit. His track, his path was not just difficult, but it was very lonely. It was very lonely. His path and his journey were marked by loneliness. As we know, he was despised, he was rejected. They called him a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. In Isaiah 53 verse 3, Jesus walked this path alone. Nobody walked with him. His own disciple, Judas, betrayed him. And after that, the others scattered. Yeah? And Peter followed suit, denying his master not once, but three times. Three times. Mark 14, 71 his famous words of denial. I do not know this man whom you speak. I do not know this man whom you speak. I do not know this man whom you speak. I want to ask myself and I want to ask us this question. How have we denied the Lord? How have we denied the Lord? Jesus' loneliness reached the apex 
the moment he became sin for us in 2 Corinthians 5.21 on the cross when he was forsaken by his father. Even though his journey was difficult, it was a lonely journey, but it was a very necessary journey. It was the only track that the Lord could walk on. Why do I say this? Because only Jesus could make this journey. Only Jesus could walk this road. Only Jesus could drink this cup that the Father has given him. Only Jesus, the sinless one, could fulfill this mission. You know, the writer of Hebrews says this about Jesus' greatest motivation. Why he could stay on the track even though it was so difficult and so lonely. Who for the sake of the joy that was set before him, Jesus endured the cross. Jesus endured the cross regarding his shame, regarding all that he went through. And so, what should our, our response be? The earlier part of this verse says that fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. This, our faith, our faith has its beginning in Jesus and it is completed in Jesus. Jesus is the start and the end of our race, our, of our own personal race. You know, as I was preparing this sharing, um, I asked myself, I said, how is it that, you know, such an arduous journey, such an arduous track, many would have given up? What was it that made, you know, how did Jesus do this? How did Jesus do this? And, uh, um, and, and I would just like to suggest to us um, five points. The first one, Jesus was resolute. Jesus was resolute. Isaiah 50 verse 7 speaks of Jesus' resolute nature to face the cross and to obtain the glory that was before him. For the Lord God helps me, therefore I am not disgraced. Therefore I have set my face like flint and I know that I will not be shamed. In fulfilling his prophetic mission, Jesus never wavered even once, never wavered. For many of us, you know, when the going gets tough, when the, when the circumstances are overwhelming, when people talk about us, when the opposition is just too much, we want to throw in the towel. We are not tenacious. We want to just throw in the towel. The slightest thing, I quit. The slightest thing, I give up. But Jesus was not like that. He was faithful and he was obedient to the call of God in his life. This was Jesus' motto. He said that, For the very work of the Father has given to, to me to finish, which I am doing. What he started, he will finish it. This should be our motto too. What God has given us, 
No matter how small the mission is, no matter how small the assignment is, no matter what you're serving as, complete the mission. Because it is a God-given mission. And when God is in the mission, He will empower you. Jesus was so single-minded. He was so focused. He had razor-sharp focus. The first thing, when he, you, you know, when he um, preached his first sermon was to announce his vision statement, like what I shared earlier, okay? To proclaim and to preach, all these things, yes. Jesus was never, ever distracted by the people, by the circumstances around him. He was never, never, never you know, a harassed. He was never distracted. I've never seen Jesus being harassed, you know. When I read the scripture, he was always so calm and so focused. Okay? When there were challenges, when the people were all just, you know, opposing him from the left and right, Jesus was never distracted. Am I like Jesus? One who is focused? Or am I easily distracted? Are we easily distracted? Are we easily distracted? In my walk with God. The third point, Jesus was God-dependent. Jesus lived his life in absolute dependence. Even though he was the Son of God, Jesus said this about himself. The Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. He was God-dependent even though he was the Son of God. And Jesus is God. John 5, 19, 20. Listen to what Henry Blackaby has to say yeah? in experiencing God. Jesus lived his life in absolute dependence upon his Father. If Jesus was that dependent on the Father, then you and I should realize how ludicrous it is for us to set our own way without any direction or guidance from the Father. Jesus totally died to his own desires and he was always submissive to the Father's will, even until the very end. Do I always depend on my own wisdom, on my own experiences? I've done this before, I know how, you know, I've done this many times. Or do we always seek the Lord's wisdom? Do we always seek the Lord's guidance in anything that we do? Do we always say, Lord, help me, show me, give me insight? Or do we say, ah, I've done this so many times. Jesus was willing to die for his mission and purpose. He not only believed in his mission, but he was willing to die on the cross in order to fulfill it. This was the passion that filled the life of his disciples, of his followers. Do you know that many of his original 12 disciples died a martyr's death horrible death today 2,000 years later thousands of Christ followers follow suit they continue to die for the cause of Christ their Lord and Saviour 
know when it comes to a day, when it comes to a day when we are asked, when we are faced with this very, very, you know, um, important decision. If you are a believer of Christ, you would be put to death. Would you admit to that that you are a follower of Christ? That your houses would be taken away, your properties would be taken away, everything would be taken away from you. Would you say yes to the authorities? I'm not talking about something that is way off. Yeah, but this is gonna be this is this this may be something which is very possible in our own nation. Are we willing to say yes? I will die for my Lord. The fifth point is the most important point, even though it's the last. Jesus was obedient to his Father's will. You know, obey in the biblical language means to hear, to hear. Jesus was obedient to his earthly parents, Joseph and Mary. He was always obedient to his heavenly Father at every point of his ministry. And right now, when it comes to the end of the tract, Philippians 2.8, after being found in human, after being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Jesus said this. This is his, this is, um, this is Jesus' um, saying. This is our Father's will, that I shall lose none of them, none of those that He's given me, but I will raise them up on the last day. This is the reason why Jesus walked on that difficult and painful track. To come and save you and to save me and to save the world sin by His life, death and resurrection. Will you say yes to Him today? For those of you who have not placed your trust in this wonderful Saviour, would you invite Him to your, into your heart today? I do not know, I do not know what you are facing right now, but I want to just assure us, I want to just assure us that if we are walking right with the Lord, I want to just assure you something that when you come to know the Lord, when you place your trust in Him, He will be there with you all the way. He will be with you there all the way in your lows and in your highs. He will, He's a God who will never abandon you. Jesus' trek was a very arduous and windy trek, but it was one that brought life to the world. So let us ask ourselves, let us ask ourselves, where am I during this journey of mine? Which point am I at? Which point am I at? And for those of us who have not come to know the Lord, to say yes to the Lord. So like the Lord Jesus, like the Lord Jesus, let us be resolute. Let us 
be single-minded and obedient to what the Father has called us to.